And you're listening to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, giving you the quick takes from the Giants' 32-31 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And folks, we just witnessed a historic start to the career of Daniel Jones, who came in very first game and led an incredible performance and topping it off with technically a fourth quarter comeback to take the lead and eventually the Giants were able to win off of a missed field goal by a rookie kicker of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How are you feeling right now, Chris, after watching that game? Excited. Um, a little bit weird. You know, I was talking to, the, talking to you about this, you know, just before we got on. The old cliche is that more teams lose games than win them in the NFL. The Giants and Daniel Jones absolutely won that game. They earned that win. But at the same time, I can't help but feel like Tampa just let the Giants... I don't want to say let the Giants win, but let the win slip away from them. In the second half, they did not play like a winning team. The Giants did. Yeah, ultimately, you make a good point by saying the fact that they gave that win away because they ended up playing a lot softer offensively and defensively in their play calling. But if you're a coaching staff and, and you're Bruce Arians and your decision is to let off the the gas pedal and, and try and play conservatively, that's on you. And the Giants were good enough in this situation to take advantage of the opportunity and seize the win. Because over the past few years, Chris, we've witnessed a lot of games where the Giants were handed opportunities, and they didn't exactly take advantage of them. So finally, a positive step step forward in them getting that victory. So Daniel Jones is obviously the biggest headline and the biggest storyline coming from this game as he completed that comeback with the seven-yard rushing touchdown right up the middle, 336 passing yards for him in four total touchdowns. Heck of a start for him, right, Chris? I would say so. We'll dig into this a little bit more later, but there were there are definitely some things he needs to clean up. But I don't think he could really ask for a better start to his career than we saw there. He completely exceeded our expectations. If you happen to listen to the preview show, we were talking and discussing as if a good performance from him was if he played a little bit above average, and he certainly played well above that. Obviously, there were mistakes that we were going to address a little bit today, a little bit in the full deep dive show. But the other storyline that comes from this game is a pretty big negative one, and that's one that you really don't want to be saying at week three into the season, and that's running back Saquon Barkley left the game in the second half with an apparent high ankle sprain. And according to ESPN, he's going to be getting an MRI soon to determine the severity of the injury. So losing a guy like Saquon Barkley has a huge impact on this team and this offense but it didn't really seem like it impacted their ability to move the ball on offense, except for some issues with play calling. The saying around the analytics community, which I have kind of absorbed those duties around Big Blue View since Dan Pizzuta left, is that you know running backs don't matter. And I don't know if you can say that about Saquon Barkley, but it is a little bit interesting that the Giants scored as many points in Week 3 with Barkley running for 10 yards total, as they did in the first two weeks with Barkley running for well over over 220 yards total. So let the rookie air it out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's the approach you got to be looking at. And ultimately, the Saquon Barkley 
issue of him missing time in the remainder of this game didn't impact the outcome as Daniel Jones was held able to secure the victory. So we're going to do this quick show, a uh, quick take show like we typically do, giving you the positives and the negatives from the game. And the first positive, I'll give you my first one, Chris, and is that Daniel Jones looked incredibly poised. He maintained very good composure against pressure very early on into the game. We saw a lot of throws where that strong Buccaneers defensive line was creating pressure and getting hands in his face, and he was willing to just sit in the pocket, almost act like nothing was coming at him, and throw the ball, make a clean pass down the field. He didn't really make any egregious throws because he was being pressured. He didn't make any dumb decisions because he felt he had to get the ball out quickly because he was acknowledging that guys were coming at him. He was smart about it. He was calm. He was collected. And that's exactly what we were hoping to see from the potential clone of Eli Manning. And then the other thing that goes with his poise was that in the final drive, he didn't look worried. He didn't look like he had any problems with going out there and doing that. It looked like it was your typical two-minute drill drive that you run at the end of practice and he did it. He completed it. Both of those things are incredible signs for the development and the future of the quarterback position for the New York Giants. Yeah, definitely. And just to go along with that, I'll go with my big positive for the game, which was the Giants pass catchers, particularly Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. You know, the Giants got Shepard back from concussion and after kind of ignoring him against Buffalo, they remembered they have Evan Ingram and that he is capable of running more than three yards down the field. And those two guys showed up huge. You know, Ingram had that incredible one-handed catch. I didn't even know his arms were that long. I don't know how he snagged it. I think his hands grew about three inches and his arms grew about four, you know, in the first quarter. Then the beginning of the second quarter, then the beginning of the second half, he has that 75-yard catch and run, just kind of a routine catch over the middle. He turns upfield and just outruns the entire defense, which is what he should be doing all the time. And Sterling Shepard was just getting open all day long. His route running is just on another level from pretty much everyone else in this offense. He is the guy the Giants have who can create separation with his routes which is just an incredible advantage in the NFL these day these days. The I believe it was a corner route on Jones' first touchdown. Ingram set the defense up and then just broke sharp in the end zone. There was nothing but green grass in front of him. All he had to do was run under the ball. Easy touchdown. Uh, the final drive, he got so wide open. There wasn't a defender within 15 yards of him. And there was a coverage breakdown, but he also influenced that with his route. He convinced the deep guys to bail on the seam and kept the underneath coverage from carrying him just a little bit further. Brilliant. So to me, that was huge. To put some context on their performances, statistically, they also lit things up, not only just in their big plays on the field. Evan Ingram, six receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. And Sterling Shepard also had his touchdown, like you pointed out seven receptions for 100 yards, so both cracking that century yard mark in receiving. The other final positive that you and I both agree with on here is that the pass rush came to play. We, we saw some inconsistencies from them in the first two weeks. They actually came to play a little bit more in the second half of last week against the Buffalo Bills, but this game was an all-out consistent effort from the pass rush. No 
blame can really be put on them from the amount of yards that were given up in the passing game because they had four sacks and 10 quarterback hits. It also seemed as if they were generating pressure on a lot of Jameis Winston's throws, even if they weren't making contact with him, he was visibly flustered at times. Understandably, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line is not really that consistent and is also not the most talented group in the NFL, but they still did a very, very good job of generating and creating that pressure, specifically Marcus Golden, who ended up finishing with two sacks. The Giants' pass rush showing up, that might have influenced the change in the Buccaneers' offense in the second half. That and James Betcher tightening up the coverage, which, again, I think we'll probably get into more in our next show after we've had a time to dig into the tape and really get a look at it. Just these last six quarters, it has been good to see the pass rush getting home, blitzes being effective, confusing the offensive line, making quarterbacks hold the ball, and then making them pay. Yeah, they really made them pay in those situations, and their performance is something to build upon, just like Daniel Jones' performance also needs to be built upon. But there are obviously negatives that came from this game. But before we take a a dig into our takes on the negatives from this game, we're going to take a very short commercial break. After discussing our positives, as always, we're going to discuss our negatives from the game. And the first one, Chris, why don't you start us off? The first negative, it's one we've kind of seen. It's become, I would say, a little bit of a distressing trend from Daniel Jones, and that is his ball security. He fumbled twice today. If his fingertips left the ball maybe a second, half a second sooner, it might have had three fumbles. He nearly threw an interception to Mike Edwards, which that I think was just a rookie moment. Didn't see a coverage shift but his ball security especially when there's pressure around him that is something he needs to address Uh, he stood in the pocket in the face of pressure at duke and in the scouting reports it tended they tended to refer to it as courage in the pocket but in the nfl he's going to need to step up more maybe throw the ball away and just be a You don't want to see him hearing footsteps, but at least be more aware of what's going on around him. Yeah, I like to think back to Donovan Donovan McNabb, you know, about a decade ago. He always seemed to have like a sixth sense for when there was pressure around him and he would just flow within the pocket. Even Eli Manning, you could see him do that. And hopefully that's something Jones will be able to develop with experience. Hopefully that does develop, and you would assume over time, acknowledging awareness is something that a trait that a quarterback can learn and improve and get better at. But you do put it in good perspective here that he does need to have some better pocket awareness. He can't allow defenders to be grabbing at the ball like that, grabbing at his arm, because those can be crucial game-changing turnovers in a game. But one thing I want to say, though, about his performance, and While every Giants fan, and you and I both have the right to be very optimistic in the future for Daniel Jones, I think it needs to be noted and acknowledged that he set the the, the ceiling very, very high for him. And that means when he does not have perfect games, which are going to happen because he's a rookie quarterback, we cannot get down on him. We need to support him 
And we need to acknowledge that he's a rookie quarterback. We can't just assume that just because he looked really good in this game that he's not going to be human and make mistakes going forward. Of course. Yeah, he is definitely – every quarterback has bad games. Every quarterback has bad moments. There are going to be times when he is just going – he's going to blow a game. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's ultimately going to happen in his career is a you know a perfectly good point to acknowledge – um, another thing, though, that uh, Chris, you and I acknowledged here from this game was that it, it was another game in which it was the tale of two halves defensively. They looked very weak in their secondary in the first half, getting gashed for over 300 yards passing. And they looked a little bit better and a little bit cleaner in the second half, actually making some stops and forcing some punts. Yeah, the... Buccaneers scored on each of their first six possessions, which I know at that point I was thinking, well, here we go again. Giants will just barely get into the double digits only to watch the other team walk away. But then the third quarter came around and they turned it on again. They need to figure out how to turn it on in the first quarter. maybe, Maybe it was tightening up the coverage, playing more press man maybe that let deandre baker and janoris jenkins and the the rest of those guys kind of play to their strengths more and kind of prevented those free releases that the buccaneers were just taking advantage of in the first game then there was that last drive by tampa yeah that last drive almost put them in actually did put them in the position to win the game but it essentially was because of big gains in the passing game, especially the one that I believe it was Janoris Jenkins covering Mike Evans. It was. Yeah, it was Janoris Jenkins covering Mike Evans that ultimately set them up for what should have been a layup field goal. After Jenkins' comments, do we want to go so far as to say rant in the locker room after last week? He needed to have a big game to back that up. And he turned into a big game, big game for Mike Evans. He did play a little bit better once they were in that tight press coverage, but he is the veteran. He is the high-priced free agent. He needs to be playing well regardless. Yeah, this performance today from him really frustrated me, especially considering the fact that he gave up eight receptions for 191 yards and two touchdowns. He was the clear and noticeable liability for this Giants secondary. And if you're going to speak negatively of your teammates the week before – and claim that you can't play with covering a guy for 10 straight seconds, you need to come out and back that up, Janoris Jenkins, and you did not do that one bit this week. Uh, You know, I think some people might be thinking to themselves, well, how does Betcher not provide some type of, um, you know, bracket coverage and some help from your safety? But the reality of it is, if you're a a number one corner and you're getting paid that kind of money in the, the top 10 range of corners, if I'm correct, how much he's being paid, you need to go out there and play Mike Evans like a number one corner, not looking like a third string undrafted player that was being shoved out there because of injuries. Just overall, a, a terrible performance from him and almost, almost led to giving up the victory because of a play on his part. Yeah, exactly. And just to go back to the, my original feeling weird about this, the Giants definitely earned this victory. It also feels like Tampa should have won. It don't, and Jenkins' play is a big reason why. When you have a receiver who goes off like Mike Evans did, 
it's tough for the other team to overcome that. Yeah, ultimately very, very hard to overcome. And luckily the Giants were able to overcome and get the victory in this game. A lot of positives and a lot of negatives that we discussed. Be sure to tune in and stay uh, looking for our breakdown episode that will be coming out on Tuesday. Like always, we're going to take a look at the tape and there certainly is a lot of film to go over. So we will have a lot of things to say Uh, in that episode. But thank you for tuning in. As always, folks, be sure to rate and subscribe and give us your feedback on the show. In addition to that, be sure to follow Big Blue View on social media at Big Blue View on Twitter and at Big underscore Blue underscore View on Instagram. Thank you for tuning in.